0: He's amused Cam Newton. Just ask that question one He's been insulted by Charles Barkley. When some idiot in the press asked him, if you know what you know now, would you all scheduled this game? He's interviewed Matthew McConaughey. I do say go sorry, huh? And he's taken on Big Blue Nation. Yeah, he's just completely taken the wind out of my sails. <laughs> it's time for The Drive with Josh Graham. We've
1: made it to a Friday drive and somehow already to the final weekend of the college basketball season. In the first game tomorrow night, it'll be the mid-majors. Fifth seed at San Diego State meeting number nine seed Florida Atlantic. Then it'll be the pseudo-national title game between Miami and UConn. That is the nightcap. Here's what you should expect to see tomorrow. Ugly basketball made to be beautiful. Ugly basketball is going to prevail in Houston, which is bad news for the ACC because Miami plays pretty basketball. And Miami isn't about being drugged into the sewer. The sight lines of playing in a football stadium, which none of these players have before, is going to be a challenge for teams that really rely on shooting the three. And that's the way that Miami plays. Miami, Miami's mostly won one way the entire season, relying on its shooters. Nigel Pack, Isaiah Wong, you know the guys, Anthony Miller, they've relied on those players. Seven deep they roll, sometimes eight, often not the case, eight. They don't have the deepest rotation. And in order for them to win this game, it's going to have to be physicality. It's going to have to be Norchad O'Mir playing the best game he's played all year and being the best player in a Miami uniform to give them a chance. Going up against UConn, which has been a unit all throughout this tournament. Meanwhile, FAU-San Diego State, it's an almost guaranteed rock fight. Almost guaranteed. It's hard to imagine a scenario, we're watching this game tomorrow, and it's 80-77. to No. 60 points is going to win this game. 55-60. It's a race to that. Tate Frazier, who's a North Carolina guy, actually from 30 minutes from where I grew up, you know what they call that town? I grew up in Youngsville, North Carolina. The town he grew up in is even smaller than that called Henderson, North Carolina. The folks in Henderson call it Henson. Two syllables, WD. Get that down. Henson, North Carolina.
2: I'll be sure to remember that.
1: There you go. Tate has the expression race to 69. 69 would be plenty for either of these teams because neither really prides itself in scoring the basketball all that well. In fact, it reminds me of the Batman movie Bane and those Batman movies. I was born in the darkness. You merely just a uh, you, you get the idea. My impression's not that good. I was molded by it. That's instead of darkness, picture ugly, gross basketball. Though that's Florida Atlantic and San Diego State. Neither team is close to 40% from three. They've got, they don't mind mucking a game up, making it physical throughout. I don't think they have a player. Either team has a player that averages 14 a game scoring. So there you go 55 to 60 points, San Diego State and FAU. As for the teams that I think are going to win, which means they will inevitably lose, give me UConn and FAU. I'm calling for a UConn-FAU title game on Monday. UConn's rolling, everyone. I am not picking against them at this point, even though I picked against the Canes the last couple of games and they've made me look bad. But I learned my lesson with Villanova in 2018. When that team's rolling, when a team's rolling like they are, just get out of the way. 2009 North Carolina and Detroit, when a team's rolling like that, just get out of the way. That's what UConn reminds me of right now. FAU, slightly better shooting team, slightly better rebounding. Plus, I'm not just going to pick the two favorites in this tournament. Not going to do that. So give me Dusty May's group. We're going with the Owls and the Huskies meeting on Monday night. On Twitter, at WSJS Radio, if you want in on today's show, 336-777-1600 is the phone number. We're also streaming video on our Twitter page, in addition to YouTube and on Twitch, Great lineup of guests today. Mac Brown's going to be our guest. Make sure you're around at 535 when he joins us. We've got a couple of pairs of tickets to go see the Carolina Thunderbirds that we're giving away. Will Pelagic, voice of Charlotte FC, later on this hour. Robert Walsh, former producer of this show. Oh, my. Conveniently put at 420 <laughs> uh-huh. on the schedule. He will be joining us from Nashville to give us a primer on WrestleMania. So a lot to do. It's Rhinestone Cowboy Friday. As well, However, and wherever you are listening or watching, we certainly appreciate that. But now that the college hoop season is about to end, we've already begun to see the transfer portal activity start to heat up. And that's only going to continue into overdrive over the next few weeks. Yesterday, Tyler Nickel, former Tar Heel, committed to Virginia Tech. BDOT already broke that news for you two weeks ago, though. B. Dot told us that was going to be the case, and here's how that sounded from a couple weeks
0: back. Carolina fam, expect for Tyler Nickel to go to Virginia and light our asses up. I mean, these things are going to happen, man. <laughs> these things are going to happen. Okay, so let's look. Let's push things forward. <laughs> hey, this, that's going to happen.
1: It's going to happen. You might be saying, "Oh, Josh, he didn't go to Virginia with the Virginia Tech. He wasn't talking about a specific school. He was talking about the state." that Tyler Nichol is from. Dot also, in that same segment, broke the R.J. Davis and Armando Baycott news.
0: Armando.
1: Saying that both of those guys were going to come back. When Dot says something is going to happen and it involves Tar Heels, Tar Heel players, odds are it's not a guess. These things are going to happen. He, okay. he even told us off the air last week, yeah, I would expect that Caleb Love's going to leave. Like, this guy knows. And I think he said this in that same segment. Watch out for NC State when it comes to Dontres Styles. He did. It's going to be a modern-day Bones McKinney going, jumping from North Carolina school to another North Carolina school. That certainly will make the NC State-North Carolina rivalry a little bit more interesting if the Kenston native goes from North Carolina to NC State. Hoops Weiss pointed this out, the great writer. We're now at 1,000 players in the portal. The season hasn't ended yet. We're at the Final Four this weekend. We're now at 1,000 players in the transfer portal. And some of our locals already have made moves adding guys from the portal. North Carolina earlier this week added uh, Paxton Wojcik from Brown, one of the Ivy League schools. Has Justin Pierce written all over it? That's not really going to be a big help for the Tar Heels. North Carolina needs to add some dudes and quick. Wake Forest kind of lost in the first weekend of the tournament. They added Boopy Miller from Central Michigan, averaging 18 points a game. One of the 20, 25 best transfers in all the lists are out there. Oh, the best guys in the portal, all that. Boopy Miller was on a lot of those lists. And Steve Forbes finding another really good point guard following into the path of Ty Appleby and Alondis Williams. But with respect to State and Duke and Wake, nobody in our state needs to be more proactive than Carolina does in the portal. They have five more roster spots to fill with transfers, unless you get somebody from the 2024 class, that's the number one recruiting class at the country as of right now, to reclassify for this year, the same way that Tyrese Proctor did and for Duke and the same way Gigi Jackson did last year, but North Carolina didn't have the space to welcome Gigi on the roster a year ago, so we went to South Carolina. When I look at players in the portal, (laughs) I think it should just be capped. I think North Carolina should look at the portal list and say, all right, who shoots 40% from three? If you don't get the 40%, then you're not coming to Chapel Hill. Joe Girard, you shoot 39%, well, you're not coming to Chapel Hill. 40%. Ish shoots 42%. Yeah, let's get that guy from K-State who spent a few years in Winston-Salem, told Josh Graham that he likes Bojangles and misses it. You can have plenty of Bojangles in Chapel Hill. VCU introduced Ryan Odom, son of Dave Odom, as uh, its coach earlier today. VCU, with the coaching change, had three or four guys enter the transfer portal. And a couple of those guards that they have They shoot the basketball really well. So if I'm Hubert Davis, I'm paying a visit to Richmond. Take a look at some of those guys. Try to bring some of those guys to Chapel Hill. My dad, he is a Towson grad. Back when it was Towson State, now it's just Towson. And in Baltimore, they got a guard named Nick Timberlake. That a lot of people have been asking me about. Tar Heel fans and people that just follow college basketball broadly. A lot of people have been connecting North Carolina to Nick Timberlake. Keep an eye on that as well. Carolina has the most spots to fill. Hubert Davis has the most pressure on him. Given the way that this year ended to do well in the portal. So that's going to be one of the biggest stories. Not just in the state of North Carolina. But across college basketball. What he's able to do out of that portal. Over the next few weeks.
2: You're on the drive with Josh W S J S.
1: Dare I say the Charlotte sports scene is humming right now? The Charlotte Hornets are going for four in a row tonight. The Panthers, I don't know if you've heard, have the number one pick in the draft. So they are part of the conversation in the NFL, right in the center of it. David Tepper, like a pig in mud, enjoying all the attention that his team is getting. And Charlotte FC, getting some results. A couple weeks ago, they win. Last weekend, they they get the draw, but a couple of, you know, they, they score on their home pitch. That's always a good sign. So we welcome in the voice of Charlotte FC, Will Pelagic, to our show that you could listen to tomorrow night at Charlotte FC. Is in action against Toronto. Okay, how would you describe the vibes in the Queen City from
2: a sports perspective right now, Willie P? It's heating up. Uh, although I will say, when uh, when you were talking baseball earlier, I was trying to examine my armpits and see if I if I can give one or both of them to Justin Verlander after uh, what happened on Opening Day. It just seems like it always happens to the Mets. It just always happens.
1: Yeah. You know, at least it should make you feel better that. Jacob deGrom seems to be one of those that isn't really figuring out the pitch clock very well Yeah, that's really a shame.
2: That's really a shame. I feel feel awful for him.
1: (laughs) You know, I have enjoyed watching the baseball, though, yesterday. I don't know. It's it's been good with the pitch clock. We're speeding things up. There's some urgency being added to the sport. You know, some more seeing-eye grounders getting through. Some crazy catches like the one in Anaheim last night. Or actually, that was in Oakland, but L.A. was playing, you know.
2: You saw the the Angels squander a lead for Shohei Ohtani. The the world is on its axis again. (laughs) Um, I say that as somebody who has Ohtani on his fantasy baseball team and has just now figured out that he don't get credit for the pitching stats if you don't put him at the pitching position. So, there you go.
1: Has Charlotte FC manager Christian Latanzio figured out a combination that he likes that he doesn't really have to tinker much with going into tomorrow?
2: Yes and no. And the only reason I would say no is because he's going to be forced into a change this upcoming weekend with a suspension of Brant Bronico uh, for the challenge he had that was considered serious foul play in the 23rd minute against, uh, I guess, New York Red Bulls last weekend. So they're going to have to go with a different midfield. uh, And also forcing into that fact is that fact that Ashley Westwood looks like he's going to miss a second consecutive week with a quad injury. So Uh, While it seems that, you know, they might have found something with the 11 that they started against New York, at least uh, maybe even the one that they finished with against New York, uh, unfortunately, it doesn't look like that's going to be the lineup that we see out there uh, just because of the fact that these guys are having some voice changes. One thing that is at least uh, a positive is that Bill Tuiloma, who missed last week uh, in a move that forced Charlotte FC to have to play somebody out of position in the back line, Nathan Byrne at the center back position, it looks like Tuiloma is going to be good to go, he's trained each of the last two days, so that thing I think is actually a positive for Charlotte FC, but Midfield is a bit of a question mark. And, of course, you also got to wonder whether or not the guy who came off the bench who really sparkled and dazzled everybody, Vinicius Mello, whether he gets his first MLS start or not this upcoming weekend because he had an immediate impact coming on in the 6th, 7th minute. Uh, seven minutes later, Charlotte FC scored its lone goal of the match uh, that basically got them to that one point.
1: Speaking of, like, suspensions and getting in trouble during games, when I played soccer, did you know that I've been, I got a red card one time? I got a red mm. card once in when I was playing. What did nothing. you do? Okay. What did you do? This is going to shock you. I was talking.
2: Oh, it's Descent? That was
1: going to be my guess. Yeah. I you got, got a, a
2: red card for Descent, Josh?
1: A yellow and then a red. So oh. it was one of those deals where I w- I was a pest when I played. I was a guy who yeah. would score and do a cartwheel. I was a guy who would score well, and do. But you got to get
2: your money's worth.
1: Yes. Man. Yes. So what happened was I was just talking to this guy and uh. I think the ref was also mad because I clearly flopped and got a call and he didn't like that. And then I said something that might have been a little bit unsavory after. Over the line. Yeah. And then Magic word. I got a yellow and I said, come on. And then he yelled back in the thickest southern draw ever,
2: come here,
1: boy. Oh, <laughs> I thought, no. okay, whatever. Just don't kill me. And he gave me the red card. Oh, there you go. Man. Descent.
2: That's terrible. I, I was hoping it would have been just like maybe the descent got you the second yellow, and maybe the initial challenge got you the yellow. But you literally no. just got it all because of talking. That's right. That, that, that's odd.
1: I, you know, I it's it's truly me. It's uh, I don't
2: I don't know if this that that is sanctioned behavior by pro referee. <laughs> so I'm I'm wondering about that myself. I was
1: an a ref, I was a referee at one point. I would not have given myself a card. But the last game I ever officiated. Now this is just story time with Josh. The last sure. time the last time I officiated a game, it was a high school, like rec type championship, like a castle soccer situation. Mm. And um I was the head referee and the this coach was riding me the entire game. And then a player on his team, and this is the championship match, got hit from behind. Really Ooh. tough challenge. And it's the championship game. And the guy who fouled him was one of the best players on the other team. And I gave him a yellow card. The other player, the guy who did the foul. And the man the the coach said, I don't feel safe with my players being on the field with you officiating this game. I'm like, coach, if you say another word, I'm gonna have to forfeit the match for you guys. If you hmm. like, and then the well, actually I should say, before I even got to that, an assistant coach went out to help his player. He's down on the field hurt. Like he hasn't gotten up. Sure. And then the coach, you know, was saying some curse words by way, the assistant. I said he had to get off the field. And he's like, well, that's my son. All right, well, you can help your son and do all that. I had lost control of the situation in that sense. but then
2: You had had lost the plot in the parlance of our friends across the pond.
1: Right, and then the players kind of take the image of their coach, and they're yelling at me too and all that. Mm, And then the coach said another word after I said not to, and I said, all right, well, this match is over via forfeit. Sit
2: in the car, pal. That's
1: That's it, and... I went to go give the championship trophy to the other coach, and he didn't want it. He didn't want to win that way. Meanwhile, the kid's still down on the field. He still hasn't gotten up. And then the coach didn't want the trophy, so I took it home with me. I left as the ambulance was coming into the the venue, and I took the championship trophy home with me because the other coach didn't want it.
2: Interesting. Interesting stuff.
1: And apparently I was right after the fact. I thought I'd be sure. wrong, but I was. I was right. <laughs> According <laughs> to my to bosses, that, that I was right.
0: According to my bosses.
1: There you go. Uh, Real quickly on the way out, um, the Hornets, as I mentioned, going for four in a row. It seems like we can joke about it because they have the fourth worst record and they're in the and Yama sweepstakes and all of that. But I do think it's significant that you have this team still playing hard and winning games when they have nothing to play for and LaMelo Ball's hurt and everything that could go wrong has gone wrong this season. It does seem like the players have bought into what Steve Clifford's selling.
2: And the other part of this too, Josh, uh, Tuesday's slugfest against Oklahoma City, notwithstanding, they've done it with defense. Uh, they're not an eight since the all-star break and had the number one defensive rating in all of the NBA. So as a result, you're seeing a team come together and do so even without some of the best players on their team. Talent wise, a lot of that's been without LaMelo ball. Uh, Terry Rogier has been out with an injury and uh, Kelly Oubre has been in and out of the lineup and Dennis Smith junior one of their best defenders has been in and out of the lineup. So It's been really interesting to see them play. You've seen a lot of younger guys get themselves their opportunities, Kai Jones, Mark Williams, and Nick Richards as well. Uh, They play the Bulls tonight in a game that has a series that involves all the teams who have played at home uh, winning the contest. So with Charlotte playing at home tonight, a chance to make that 4-0 and get a season split with the Bulls. It's been interesting to watch, and I'm wondering how that impacts the offseason for Mitch Kupchak, and who he ends up trying to bring back, including, of course, a man who scored 43 the other night a career high in P.J. Washington.
1: Yeah, P.J. Washington averages like 15 points a game, and he's averaged over 30 over the last three, more than 20 in each of those three games. Wilp Logic, it's good to see you and hear your voice. Look forward to listening to you in Charlotte FC's match against Toronto. Here's how much we love Charlotte FC. We, we're, we're upending Final Four coverage to make sure mm. we get Charlotte FC – Soccer on the air tomorrow night. So,
2: well, that that's that's very much appreciated. Uh, I hope, and I know you've been talking about this with with Will. Uh, I'm hoping that two weeks from now we see you guys. Let's not us go. Put, not to put any undue pressure on you. W D. But we see you guys decked out, scarfed up, and ready to roll.
1: We'll have to make it happen. Get out to a home game on April fifteenth. All right, Will. We'll see you later.
2: Thanks, guys. Appreciate Thank you guys.
1: it. Willie P. Wilpelogic joining us on WSJS. A quick postscript on NBA-related things. And this is related to college basketball, too, on Final Four weekend coming up. Wode just tweeted that discussions on lowering the minimum age to enter the draft are no longer a part of the league's labor talks. What does that mean? Well, it means the one-and-done era is going to continue into the foreseeable future. And... This is something that happens. People get mad about the one and done. Oh, it's ruining college basketball. College basketball needs to change it. It's an NBA rule. It's not a college basketball rule. If it's going to change, it's the NBA. This is the thing that Adam Silver's done that's ticked me off the most as him being the commissioner. He does not like college basketball. He doesn't. He doesn't embrace it or protect it the way that Roger Goodell has college football, understanding what college football is for his league. It's essentially a minor league. And I don't mean that in like an insidious type of way. I mean it in a, hey, people watch college football, and the guys who are really good in that sport become stars in that sport, and their name recognition, their brands coming into the NFL is good for business for us. Adam Silver has been undercutting college hoops by keeping this at a one-year minimum outside of high school rather than expanding it to force the guys who do go to school to stay at school longer while giving guys right out of high school the option to go if they should choose. And in addition to that, creating the G League path, encouraging people to go overseas and all that, if he cared more about college basketball, it would be a net positive For the NBA, but he's never really cared about that, and that's the one big criticism I've always had of Adam Silver.
0: One, three. You're on the air. Wake up with Jeffrey Griffin and Triad today, weekday mornings at seven. Now back to the drive with Josh Graham.
1: You can take the boy out of the triad, but you can't take the triad out of the boy. Robert Walsh, former producer of this show, wrestling expert on WrestleMania weekend. Some call it Final Four weekend like we do, but others call it WrestleMania weekend as you do. You are in Nashville now, and I just have to know, as somebody who's lived in Greenville, America, and called the triad home for a while... Where does, how does Nashville stack up in terms of the
0: cities that you've lived in? First off, I want to say, what the hell is going on, Triad? What the (laughs) hell is going Ah. on, baby? Yes. I miss the hell out of y'all. Where's DJ at? I don't even want to talk about sports. I just want to talk about everybody in the daggum building. What the hell are y'all doing? All right, anyway. Nashville and how it stacks up, man. It's always a party out here. But the problem with partying here, as opposed to Winston-Salem, Greensboro, Greenville, anybody you run into is here either the first time or a long time. They are all here to party. So you're going to run across old grannies. You're going to run across women on their bachelorette parties. You're going to run across the dad who's there just to hold a purse. You're going to run across college kids who think this is a fantasy. You're going to see everything between A and Z, and you're going to have a lot of fun doing it. Now, the only problem is Nashville is for the deeper pockets. If you like to uh, get inebriated, as I do, you're not going to spend all your time down on Broadway. You're not going to go down to the Gaylord and hang out at their bar. You're going to go to East Nashville, maybe like a Red Door Saloon, maybe like a Mother's Ruin. You're going to go over there, and I'll buy you a pickleback shot or whatever your uh, fancy is. But Nashville is a pretty fun town. Sounds like it.
1: W D is uh, taking notes over there, had to step out for a second. Robert Walsh is uh, here with us, the former producer of this show. So what's the headliner for WrestleMania this weekend?
0: The headliner, it is the tribal chief, Roman Reigns. He has been the WWE champion, the undisputed universal champion for well over two years at this point, and he's going up against his greatest challenge, not because of the prowess of this wrestler, but because the, the – kingdom around the tribal chief is crumbling down around him. The Usos, we had to wonder whether Jimmy and Jay were by his side. Now you've got Solo, who's also part of the Samoan dynasty. He he doesn't know whether he's ready or whether he's just an enforcer. So right now, this is the cracked foundation that's forming at the feet of Roman Reigns. Does he have what it takes to rise up to the occasion, as he's done millions of times before, or Is the spotlight going to be too much for one Cody Rhodes? The prodigal son has returned back to WWE after taking a stint in AEW. He returns and doesn't go for the tag team titles. He doesn't go for the U.S. or Intercontinental title. He goes for the cream of the crop, the top of the top, the undisputed universal heavyweight champion, a right that was afforded to him for winning the Royal Rumble. That is is the main event. And I believe that will be on night two. Now WrestleMania is split into two nights. So twice the action for your wrestling viewing pleasure.
1: It's in New York, right?
0: It is in LA, the other side of the country. Oh, yeah.
1: (laughs) could it it be any farther (laughs) off. Uh, So how many of these have you gone to now?
0: Oh, my gosh. Uh, My first WrestleMania was the wrestlemania 22 and i went from wrestlemania 22 all the way through wrestlemania 31 and then uh then i had to my professional life kind of got in the way (laughs) able to go and and get drunk in Dallas and thrown in the drunk tank. I wasn't allowed to go to New Orleans and throw cornrows on my head and and do debaucherous things throughout the city. Uh, So life has gotten the way, but you know what? I'm in a good spot once Nashville gets a new stadium. uh, I would imagine that WrestleMania would come here, and once again, I would get to be uh, a debaucherous man in the streets enjoying his wrestling.
1: I know you're a very busy guy, so I'll close things out with this. You're a huge Ravens fan. How... Where is he, not where you want him to be, where is he going to end up, you think, Lamar
0: Jackson? Are we talking this year or are we talking about this year? the rest of his career? this fall? This year, he is going to play for the Baltimore Ravens. And okay. I'll tell you I can tell you a plethora of reasons why, but I have never been more comfortable in my entire life to tell you that this year Lamar will be a Raven. I don't know about what what the hell happens outside of this. But Lamar has very little leverage, in my opinion. You can see that from his tweets. You can see that from him tweeting at 11 o'clock at night, letting everyone know that I didn't sit out week one through week 12. Why would I sit out in a playoff game? Well, Lamar, you're telling us that you just woke up at 1130 at night. So you're not doing anything to put to bed the rumors of your lack of nutrition or lack of sleep schedule or either one. Uh, he's doing this to try to drum up business. Lamar wants you to know, hey, on March 2nd, I requested a trade from the Baltimore Ravens. Well, you're telling us this three weeks later, buddy. And in fact, you could be traded if you could get anyone to sign you to the deal that you want. But in fact, you can't find someone to reflect that value. I would like to be traded from the Baltimore Ravens because they aren't seeing the value in me as a player. Nobody, nobody sees that value. Or you would have already signed that tender and you'd be high on it off to Indianapolis or San Fran or wherever the hell you want to go. I think the best course of action for him and the best course of action for the Ravens is to just kiss and make up, baby. Come on back. We miss you. You miss us. Nobody else wants you. He's like the Will Smith Uncle Phil. How come nobody wants me, man? It is- I'll tell you why they don't want you, because you're supposed to be a Raven. Come home, baby. I miss you. It, it is
1: funny how... You know Lamar saying I should get the Sean Watson money, while the Ravens have probably had this conversation behind closed doors. They're like, "Listen, we don't do, we don't let the Browns impact anything that we do. Like the Browns gave him that contract, that does not have bearing on what smart organizations like us do. That's, that's how I feel about it.
0: Look, yeah, I I would agree with you. For the first time in a long time, Josh, I can say (laughs) that I."
1: Uh, you're the best uh, Robert Walsh it's good to see you and uh, keep up the great work and we'll uh, chat sometime soon enjoy week uh, WrestleMania weekend
0: I'll do it I bet you say that to all your guests you're the best huh? you're the best where do I rank he among does the best? Oh,
1: man Robert is so good at cutting to my core and recognizing things that I do he knows me better than anybody oh you're you're the best and he hits me with the jab oh that hurts Robert that stings
0: you're not the best. Triad. Triad. Let's go. I miss you. <laughs> Call me. My number is 336.
1: And there he goes. There he goes before he reveals his entire phone number. That's Robert Walsh joining the show. Get him out of here before. We got to help him help himself sometimes. You know, there goes Robert. He even spelled it out himself. Like, what do you expect if you're going to have me on at 420? He pointed that out on his uh, social media. <laughs> Love that, though. Really do. Uh, I'll tell you what I don't love. The Carolina Hurricanes right now. The Canes, they're no longer... You know, I'm going to fight through. I'm going to fight through. The Canes are no longer a Stanley it's Cup. They're no longer a Stanley Cup contender because they don't have that guy. That's a piece of it. That's a piece of it. But they're trending downward. We've had some hot takes thrown around in this segment. Robert, flaming hot, and here, the Canes, no longer a contender. Uh, They're trending down at the worst time. They've lost three in a row, four of their last five, and last night they weren't losing to Tampa or New York. They're losing to the Detroit Red Wings, one of the ten worst teams in the league. And the thing that hit me last night that hadn't really registered until then was how bad the goaltending's been lately. Like Freddie Anderson supposed to be the guy, and he's allowed at least he's allowed multiple goals in seven straight games, seven straight starts, and three or more in five of those games. You can't win that way. It seems like he's in his head. You can't rely on Pietro Kachekov or uh, Alex Nedelkovic as well to get you out of this hole. You're not going to have good enough goaltending, and then scoring wise, Svechnikov, losing him was a killer. He's one of the three irreplaceable players on this roster. Him, Jacob Slavin, Sebastian Ajo. Those are the guys that you can't lose. Because you lose something offensively, but you also lose a physicality, given how big he is and how good he is on four checks. And he also is a guy who could help you defensively as well. So you lose him, and that just felt like a death blow for the Carolina Hurricanes. I hate to say it, but... That's how I feel. Did Robert get you excited for WrestleMania this weekend? I'm just jacked up about it. I'm so excited. Have you ever watched WrestleMania? Uh, bits and pieces. Mm. Uh, yeah. You're the best. Are you, though?
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: Robert, I-, I watched WrestleMania with him one time. How did that go? Did he get fired up? He does get jacked. during it. start this?
0: throwing
2: chairs around and stuff?
1: No, it just...
2: I bet he does.
1: High volume of alcohol. He's a volume volume <laughs> drinker. Yeah, he is. You know what? I've never never got the pleasure to do that with him. I have many a time. Uh-huh.
2: might have to go over to Nashville. He's a
1: character. Out. He's a character who's going to own that city one day. He's going to be a politician one day. And Robert Walsh is going to be like elected into public office in Nashville. You watch. Guy's going to take over the world. To recap the week in the most efficient way possible, we'll keep it simple. Next on The Drive. It's The Drive with Josh Graham, WSJS. A reminder, Mac Brown is going to join the show at 535. Make sure you're here for that. If you're not able to catch things during the show live, well, that's what the podcast... It's live action, Tracy! We're about a year removed from that piece of sound. We are. Sunday is going to mark the one-year anniversary of the Caleb Love shot against Duke. It's been a full calendar year since that happened, with it being Final Four weekend. But what I was saying is, if you can't listen to it live, You can find it on our podcast channel, Search the Drive with Josh Graham on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor, or on our YouTube stream. Our YouTube channel has the video stream that you could be watching right now if you want to see the show in addition to listening to it. We do that for every one of our live shows, three to six, but that's also where some of our interviews are too. It's crazy to think that in about, what, three or four weeks, we're over 100-plus subscribers, 115 around that now. It's fantastic, and uh, we appreciate you guys supporting the YouTube channel. Continue to do that. It's your support of things like that that allow for us to do more and more cool and creative things that make the show more consumable and better moving forward. So if you haven't subscribed to that, be sure to do so. Now let's recap the week in the most efficient way possible by keeping it simple.
0: Five words or less. It's simple, man. That's all Josh gets to tell you where your favorite teams are at. It's as marvelous and as simple as that. Let's keep it simple.
1: Okay. If you don't know the drill by now, it's Friday. Robert Rolfe. Robert Walsh already sounded like he was drunk in Nashville, even though I think he just got done with the show. I guess those two things aren't mutually exclusive, but... Some people might already be in the club at 4.30 in the afternoon. I don't know. Let's get the weekend started right and get a dance break in here. It's
2: live action. <laughs> the
0: awesome. is out of his mind. Business. Good business. I have tremendous respect for Commissioner Phillips. That's what's right. What is your favorite cookie? Let go! Excuse me, brother. This is Henry 4th Street, Baptist Church, Tennessee, and you will know my name is the Lord!
1: Was there a Hubert Davis clip in there? There was. What was that? He's eating cookies in the club. He has to eat them by himself. Now Pete Nance isn't around anymore. (laughs) Tough. Uh, What's the first thing you have for me? Jim Phillips being more aggressive about the ACC narrative. That was cool. Mm -hmm. Last weekend. Hey, exactly. Hey, the ACC should be more aggressive. Then we get pushed back. Uh, Then Jim Phillips says we need to be more aggressive. Here's five words. It's past time for this. I wish this would have happened before Selection Sunday. But now that the ACC sent another team to the Final Four, it's time to do some flexing. None of this garbage about, uh, the tournament isn't really a great measurement. That's what we all accept. We accept that the national champion in basketball is decided in this tournament. So success and failure, wrong or right, is defined by what you do in this tournament. And we know if the shoe is on the other foot from the dishonest people who are saying that we shouldn't grade things this way just because the ACC went on a run, we'd be doing the same exact thing if the Big Ten or the SEC got to this point. So no, after the ACC gets urinated on the entire season, It's time for the ACC to stand up and flex a bit, and I'm glad that Jim Phillips is saying, we're gonna be more proactive here. We're gonna be more aggressive. I'm gonna talk about the fact that it's wrong that we got five teams into the field. Caleb loved entering the transfer portal. It simply had to happen. It simply had to happen. Clearly, something was amiss. That isn't to say that that month of March last year wasn't fantastic. It was. One of the best singular performances I've ever seen was the second half he had against UCLA in the Sweet 16. He hit stupid shots. He hit bad shots, frankly. Great bad shot maker. One of the best we've ever seen. He's a polarizing player as a result of that. But in playing about 100 games at Carolina, I don't even think a third of those games, it looked like it all fit correctly. R.J. Davis and Caleb Love as a pairing, dating back to Roy Williams' final year in Chapel Hill. So this simply had to happen. These sides had to part ways, and Caleb had nowhere to go in the professional ranks, so he enters the portal, and we'll see where he ends up, but Hubert Davis and Carolina had to move on, and there were basketball reasons for Caleb to leave as well, but the common thread was... It wasn't working for Caleb Love, and it wasn't working for Hubert Davis the way that they thought it would. Miami, representing the ACC, reaching the Final Four. They are the ACC's model. They are the model now. So much change we've seen in recent years. Coach K and Roy retiring and, you know... We've seen Jim Beheim now retire at Syracuse. All these great coaches are no longer there anymore. The ACC, Jim Laradega with the way they recruited in NIL, which not just ACC schools are going to follow. Everyone in college basketball is probably going to follow suit. There's not a stigma attached to that anymore. They were pioneers in that. The way they put together their schedules, that's probably what Jim Phillips is going to point to in Amelia Island at league meetings in a month and say, why don't you schedule like Miami in addition to the ACC Big Ten Challenge, adding Providence, adding Maryland, not playing non conference mid majors in the 300s, but instead playing Mike Jones, who? And UNCG, and playing, you know, good programs, respectable programs like UCF that they played in their out of conference. Jim Larinaga has gone to two Final Fours now. And. No other coach in the ACC can say that, which speaks to how much change there really has been. They are the ACC's model. Dariq Whitehead declaring for the NBA draft. Not a surprise from Duke. Like, really, none of it was surprising. Even Mark Mitchell deciding he was going to stay at Duke or Tyrese Proctor. I was a little surprised that he didn't test the waters at least. But I thought in the end that Mark Mitchell was going to be back. And I thought Whitehead and Lively were the sure ones to go. We still haven't heard from Derek Lively yet. The big question marks have been Filipowski and Jeremy Roach. We don't know what's going to happen with them. Maybe we'll learn something over the weekend.
2: Anthony Richardson,
1: pro day. It's down to two quarterbacks. It's Bryce Young and it's CJ Stroud. It's not Anthony Richardson. We called this from the beginning never even welcomed the Anthony Richardson possibility because you would not trade up from 9-1 to and take a guy with as much risk attached to him as Anthony Richardson. You just wouldn't do it. And it was clear when David Tepper and Nicole Tepper passed on going to the pro day yesterday in a way they did not pass with any of the other quarterbacks, including Will Levis. They just didn't show up for the workout. They were there for the dinner the night before that Carolina wasn't going to take Richardson. And Carolina didn't even have dinner with Richardson. The Raiders did the night before that. So it's down to two. We don't even hear Will Levis buzz there because, again, another guy that would take a lot of risk in order to pick him, and he might have been available at nine. Carolina gave up a lot to pick in this spot to take either Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud. I hope it's Stroud, but really you can't go wrong out of those two. And lastly, five words to describe MLB
0: opening day.
1: Baseball is perfectly set up. For years, they've been not. Oh, man. We need to figure out ways to get baseball out of its ways. Out of its old ways. No, we need to change the game and all that. Well, they have made changes. And these are good changes with the pitch clock. And with getting rid of the shift. These are good changes with the balancing of schedules. And I really enjoyed what I watched. So much so that I wanted to give Major League Baseball money to watch the Orioles. For the season but they said that they're blacked out of my area so i have to go through some other types of chicanery in order to watch orioles baseball this year but that's been keep it simple let's get one more dance break in there
0: i do think those gentlemen welcome to fight Club. Mm. Mm-hmm. this is a tasty burger mellow mushroom the first rule of fight club is you do not talk about fight club second rule of Fight Club is you do not talk about Fight Club. What? A- what? <laughs> uh, I
1: thought you forgot about that. No, you saved that one for last. What was that again that you saved for last there?
2: Uh, gotta go dig it up.
1: Oh. I'm surprised that isn't just a quick speed dial. That's what? A- what?